guys, and welcome back to another episode on For a Generation to Come, where I am your host, Moesha Gray, of course, and here we share our stories, wisdom, embrace, and empower all for the purpose of breaking generational curses. Hey guys, welcome back to a For Generations to Come podcast. Um, we have Michelle on today. Michelle, how are you? I'm doing well, Moesha. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. First of all, I always ask people this because the last one that I had, I was not pronouncing her name correctly at all, even though it's it literally sounds like it's spelled. So am I saying your name correctly, Michelle? Yes. Michelle. Okay, good. Because the last <laughs> time I thought I was saying her name so good, and she was like, uh, "No." Um, <laughs> so I want you to just go ahead and introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are, what you do, anything you want to let us know. Oh, sure. My name is Michelle Gomez of michellemgomez.com. I am the founder and CEO of Michelle Gomez Coaching. Uh, I am the author of the international bestseller "Own Your Brilliance: Overcome Imposter Syndrome." for career success. I am a keynote speaker and as well as a career and life coach. So you just gave us a whole lot there. So <laughs> let us know what brought you to where to the point where you are now. You just gave us a whole lot, the coaching and everything. Let us know what brought you to that point where you are. Well, um, you know, after spending so much time on my own success and career, I, I achieved a lot of success in my corporate career or success that I, that I had set out for myself as well as in academics. And after a while, you know, when you strive so much for your own success, at some point your calling comes and, and it seems to be focused outward and to other people, not so much about you. And throughout my career, I have been blessed with the opportunity to mentor other people in their careers I believe it's because they saw what I was doing, what I was accomplishing in my short years. And so they gravitated toward me to ask me for guidance. And so I've been able to help people through their academic decisions, through their business and career transitions, and help position them to be the best and obvious candidate for the positions they're applying for. And I've been able to sort of help them design a life around this new career path that they've selected for themselves. And so um, I saw that I was just sort of blessed with this innate gift to be able to do this and to help encourage and guide people. And I thought, you know, it'd be great if I can use this full in a full-time capacity. I've always wanted to be an author and I just felt like I, why would anybody read anything that I've ever written? And so I started blogging to kind of get myself out of that. I was dealing with things like imposter syndrome and being the first in your family to do something like this. It's very scary you know, to kind of get out and be the first. And so after working through some of those negative thought patterns, I finally just got out of my own way. I wrote my book and started launching my business um, a few months after my book was published. And since then, I've had the blessing and opportunity to work with women of all ages, a few men as well. I've done speaking engagements, both within, within the professional area as well as academics. And um, I get to do amazing things like be on your podcast. <laughs> okay, so what what has that done for you, the feeling of serving others? Because a lot of times we, um, because you, what you do, it's, the, it's really centered around serving people. So 
a lot of times we don't like to serve people because we can think it's beneath us. But for me, I don't know about anyone else, but for me, it makes me feel better. It makes me feel empowered. Um, so what does that, what has that done for you? Like the feeling of actually serving other people? I like you, Moesha, I get fueled by it. It it that's how you know when you're in alignment with your with the purpose set before you when it's no it doesn't come off as a drain even if you mm-hmm. go into it drain because you know life is life and you could have a really hard day and you're looking at your your schedule like man I got a client at four and then another client at 5 30 and it's like I'm exhausted but then after once I get on those calls and I actually start my coaching sessions it's it's I come out of it so much more fueled and energized than I did going in. And so that's how I knew like, this is, this is my jam. This is my brilliance right here. And the same thing for speaking, like speaking, it doesn't make me nervous. I'm actually excited. I get, I get, I get very uh, anxious in a good way, you know, so it doesn't scare me away no matter what size of the audience. And and now that I've been able to write a book, it makes it so that I don't have to tell people so much about myself anymore. They could just read the book. And so when I get to meet them they're it's almost like they know me because they've read about my, they've read my book and they've, they've gained some insight on me. And so I, it's less about me now, you know, it's now it's like, how can we take what I've, what I've accomplished up to this point and use it in your life? Because now it's about you finding work that matters to you and creating a life that you love. Um, I have a beautiful life. I'm happy and I don't necessarily need a whole lot. I want to see you succeed. And so knowing that about my personality now, and it's taken many, many years to get to this point, I don't see it as beneath anyone. Um, I do value myself, value what I bring to the table. And there's ways to do that um, through your business, but I don't feel any less because I'm serving people. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So you talked about um, being the first in your family and how you felt about that. So what talk to us a little bit about that part about how being the first felt like was there any type of um, like backlash from your family or feeling that you felt? just let us know a little bit about that. Certainly. Well, I'm a first generation Latina American. So my family uh, was born in Ecuador. My mom uh, immigrated to the U.S. when she was 17. My dad's Mexican-American, but his family's from Chihuahua, Mexico. So I was the first one born here. Um, and so coming here with new opportunities, when you're here, you're born here, you as a U.S. citizen, you have opportunities. I mean, my mom became naturalized over the years, became a U.S. citizen. But um, I was the first one to go to college and pursue a bachelor's degree. I was the first one to pursue a master's degree. I'm the first one in my family to pursue, to become an author. And um, yeah, with a lot of those firsts, especially coming from a cultural background as like mine, there is this sense of like, they don't understand necessarily why this is so important to you. I mean, education was something my grandma always valued because she was an educator back in Ecuador. So she was always the one who pushed me like, you have to go get a degree, you have to get an education, because you can't depend on anyone, you need to make sure that you are set and you set your future. And it's going to be through education. And so I just always knew I was going to go to college, there was no question. Uh, But then once I got to college, I still had to like work and you know, figure out how I was going to support myself, you know, because I was on my own by the time I was 19. 
And so, yeah. And then you go on to do other things like get married and have, you know, have kids and all that later in life. But at first it was this misunderstanding. Why are you pursuing this education? Like, you know, your biological clock is ticking. And, you know, I mean, think about it in our culture, one of the reasons, it's funny, one of the reasons we have quinceañeras, have you ever heard of a quinceañera before? No. So a quinceañera is like a sweet 16, but it's for Oh, yes, yes. Okay, and so it's a big to-do. It's like a wedding, you know, and, and we were just talking about this among some of my Latina brothers and sisters the other day at an event, and it's like, quinceañeras are almost like a celebration. Like, look, my daughter made it to 15 and she didn't get pregnant. Let's celebrate. You know, so when the bar is set kind of low, and and you have people who haven't done the things that you're doing it's they don't always understand mm-hmm. you know and they don't always get why this is so important to you meanwhile the outside world is like no way you're getting a master's degree that's awesome oh you just you know you're gonna write a book that's great and then you go tell your family and they're like oh that's yeah that's cool mm-hmm. <laughs> the enthusiasm isn't there so we have we have that and then of course being um a woman and being a latina and you know, facing some of those spaces where I'm the first in that capacity, you know, in my corporate career, it was hard, you know, so you're looking around and you're the only one who looks like you and, and um, comes from your background. There, there was a lot of cultural implications, gender implications placed on me that I come and just push through no matter what. But you know what, Um, being just like you just said that, it's like the first or you seem like the only one out of everything. Um, I was like that. So it's like if you really have to look at it from a different perspective. And a lot of times it could hurt not having that enthusiastic um, reaction from your family or, you know, not having the reaction that you expect, basically. But I think about it that it's a lot of people who are watching you that you don't even know. It's a lot right. of people that are like, wow, she did it, even from social media or even if they're just um, around you or see you here now and then, they're looking up to you and saying, wow, like she really did that. So um, thinking that you're just the only one standing out is perfect because you're being seen that way. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I've worked through that. I don't really carry that guilt anymore. And I mean, but but there's still, you know, the the hashtag successful failure is kind of what we were throwing around the other day. And I blogged about it recently about how, you know, a lot of us are out here building businesses and getting an education and taking these amazing once in a lifetime trips and, you know, being involved in these really important social movements, but yet there's other parts of our lifestyle that culturally we're not, we're behind. Like maybe you're the CEO of your own company and you've, built this business in five years, but you're not married, you don't have any mm-hmm. kids and you're 28, you're 28 years old. Like that's the yeah, problem. Yeah, we always you know, in our culture. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, you're successful, but, you know, and, um, you know, like for me personally, I am, I have a beautiful marriage and I have two healthy, thriving children. And, you know, I have my, my, my job, my career, my business, my book, and, I have a lot going on and, and I'm, I'm doing these really, uh, I'm fortunate to be invited to do these great things and work with amazing people. And yet I still feel like I should be doing more, 
doing more yes. <laughs> for my mom, you know, doing more for my siblings, doing more for my grandma. And I'm just, you know, cause I see all of my other, my other siblings that are like, you know, visiting mom's house every day or going to mom's house every other day or, you know, calling mom every day. And I'm, that's just not me. I'm, you know, I, I guess I'm just, because when you're forced to be so independent at a young age, it, you know, it's no wonder if at 19, I had to be on my own. Then at 39, you can only imagine. <laughs> so why, why do you think that? Because um, as far as us having all of these successes and a lot of people look at that, look at us from the outside, because I was just talking to my sister about this today or yesterday or whenever, um, about how everything is not perfect with me. Like a lot of people see me and they're like, wow, but you have this and you have that and you have that. And I'm like, but I don't have this and I don't have that. (laughs) So they see a lot of things. And I'm wondering why do we do that? Why do we not embrace more of what we have versus what we don't have? Why do you think that is? I think it's because we're still afraid to design a life that, that, that we want to live and not care what everyone thinks. You know, it's like we want to be able to people please and we want to be able to say like we covered all of our bases, you know, and we're, we're killing it in all areas. But I think that's unrealistic. It's just you have to figure out a design that works for you. And I mean, one of the things that I help my clients do when we're working through their transitions is to come up with a list of five key areas. So what are the, the top five priorities in your life right now? I'm like right now, like in the next two, you know, year, two to three years, what are they, you know, and it could be different. It could be, you know, I'm trying to live a healthier life, you know, health, finances, are you saving up? Are you trying to pay off debt? You know, are you um, trying to do more reading, you know, whatever those five priorities are, and design a structure that allows you to tap into those things on a regular basis. And if that means that you can't be around for everyone else, if you can't say yes to everything, if you can't, you know, if you have to be able to get stuff off your plate, that's part of the process. It's almost like saying, okay, I'm going to release this and be okay with it. You know, Mm -hmm. And, and an example is like, if you decide Let's say 2019, I'm going to take an international trip for the first time. You know what? I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to fly to London. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. That's my book. You know, it's what it's, but if you have other priorities in mind and you, then you can't do that trip this year, you just have to be okay with releasing that. Even though you probably told everyone, I'm going to go to London this year. It's, it's it. I'm saying it. I'm declaring it. It's going to happen. But as time evolves, if you see that, having that on your plate is taking you away from your other priorities at the moment, then it's okay to take it off your plate and just say, you know what, not this year. Yeah. You know, but, but it's, but that's, and that's with, but I'm giving the London as an example. What if like getting married right now, having a child right now, you know, buying a house right now. I mean, I was just working with a client that, you know, but her age, she's expected to buy a home, but she's like, I kind of like that I don't have like a big mortgage that I have to worry about paying off eventually. I, and I like that I can just move from say she's going to move to New York in six months and live there for six months. And then she's going to move to Denver for another six months and just try out which city she thinks she feel better in to spend the next five, six years in. And that's the freedom she's gained from not buying a house. Meanwhile, you ask someone else, oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're owning, being a homeowner is a part of their identity. It's sort of this 
look at me, I'm a homeowner. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to decide. And what's, what works for, for for you may not work for somebody else, but we're just so trying to make it look like we got all our bases covered. And you don't have to have all your bases covered to live a fulfilling life. Definitely. I like what you said. Um, it definitely comes from, first, I think we have to know the identity. And you just said a lot that really just hit me <laughs> because I'm like, wow, <laughs> like a lot of things, even last year coming into this year, I realized that I was really putting my identity into those things. Like I really put my happiness into that because, oh, you're married and, oh, you're financially set and all that. Like that does not define who I am as a person, because if all of those things get taken away, what's left? Who am I? Can I still stand? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I definitely uh, totally agree. So was there yeah. like a time that um, you didn't live intentionally? You didn't own up to any of your gifts? Oh, yes. So for a long while in my corporate career, I, I sought, you know, I sought validation a lot um, because I second guess, I, you know, second guess to myself again, when you're the first and you're going into these spaces where the things and the ambitions that you want for yourself weren't usually filled by people who looked like you, right? Or people in your age group. Like I was working with, and I was working in an environment where successful, highly paid employees were middle-aged white men. So here I come to, to this industry, you know, fresh out of high school, I'm a freshman in college and I'm, but I'm like, I have to work because, you know, I'm on my own. And yeah, I'm over here, like, I can do this, I can do this job, but no one, like, the, the promotions I was going for, or the projects I was going for, were all previously managed by middle-aged white men, so it's, uh, it, I, in an effort to be validated so that I would be considered for these roles, I assimilated quite a bit to that environment, you know, being able, like, I tapped into a masculine energy that I thought was necessary mm-hmm. to be successful, and then I became my my boss's sort of right hand woman, like I became his wing woman and he could depend on me. And I found, I found a lot of um, ego in that. Like, wow, I'm, I'm his right hand woman. He, he chooses me. He's proud of me. He's, he can't do this without me. And that became my identity. And, you know, it's sort of like when, like a, like a drug, like the more you hit that, the more the, the, it's like, okay, I got it. I need his validation. I need him to tell me I'm doing a good job. I'm that, that he, that he's so proud of me. But I realized in the end that I had become a mold of who he was. Mm -hmm. And the reason I was successful is because I was assimilating to his personality. And it also didn't, it didn't um, miss me that, you know, the fact that my father walked out of my life when I was about seven years old and, you know, having daddy issues, you, you seek validation from men. Mm -hmm. I didn't seek it from men in my dating life. I sought it from men in my corporate life. I needed my bosses to be proud of me and depend on me and know that I was responsible. And, you know, and so that became an unhealthy pattern for me where I was working way too much. And so, um, because I just needed to know that I, that they were proud of me. Right. And so I realized that that wasn't my identity. That's not who I wanted to show up in the world as. And I saw how I was helping other people. And I thought, if I'm going to help other people, I want them to be the best versions of themselves. I'm not going to tell them to follow a mold of somebody in front of them. So 
I decided to leave that job after 13 years. And I left that, that work, that boss. And it was like a divorce, you know, but I said, I got to go find myself. And so when I did, I was able to inquiry what was going on. I spent a lot of time in prayer, meditation, journaling, did a lot of reading, did three years of work internally and um, made sure that I worked on myself. And once I started breaking down those things that were holding me back from my gifts, I found more strength and courage to let them be shown and started marketing them to people that would compensate me for my value. So how do you think that affects us by changing ourselves to fit our environments? Because we do that a lot. I think it's a survival mechanism mm, that we feel definitely. that we feel is, I mean, it's got its perks, right? It has its reasons. You know, you have to make sure that you're safe wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, so you have to assimilate in some ways, right? You have to adapt in some ways in order to make it through. But I think when you start to lose your personality or you, when you start to give such a, such a large percentage of your identity to an environment, it could, you will not lose, you will not find yourself because you are spending so much time letting the outside dictate to you who you are rather than you spending moments of mindfulness, quiet mindfulness and connection with yourself and with the greater being above us to ensure that you know you really know who you are who were you created to be and how you actually want to be seen and I'll give you a, a great example Moesha so being in a, in a corporate structure in a male-dominated industry surrounded by middle-aged white men and I noticed that in order to be in order to be successful and survive unscathed in this environment I needed to be comfortable with things like misogyny the good old boys club mm-hmm inappropriate sexual um, jokes, you know, jokes made about women and right in front of me. Um, And I needed to tap into this masculine part of me in order for people to hear what I had to say. And none of that sounds appealing, does it? Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) So, so when I, when I separated myself and I started, well, what do I, what do I really want? And I realized you know what? I want to be that Proverbs 31 woman. I just want to walk in grace and love. And I want to attract abundance and light from all angles. I want to be able to be vulnerable without fear of feeling of being perceived as weak or um, unvaluable and not unable or incapable to do a job. And I shouldn't have to keep, I, I really wanted to get to the place where I was brave enough to say, I don't think that that's an appropriate joke. You should not say that. Or I don't appreciate that comment rather than the, so the countless times I stayed quiet just to survive that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So I found bravery. And I think that, yeah, if we don't, if we just assume that, that we letting ourselves go is the only way to success, it's not, it's not, you can find success on your own, your own terms, but you also have to make sure that, you know, everyone says that success is a ladder, right? So you climbing a ladder. But then what if you get to the top of the ladder and you realize that it's leaned up against the wrong building? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I know. I feel like disrupting the pattern, disrupting the cycle and ensuring who, that you spend time figuring out who you are will make it so that in any environment you haven't lost yourself. You're still, yeah. You still belong to yourself. Definitely. And so that we'll, we will be the ones that change the environment instead of the environment changing us. 
Yeah, I and I, I think it's, especially right now, we need change. We need more things like empathy and understanding and open communication and acceptance, tolerance. These are things that are impacting the leadership that's required in companies today. So that, and the only way you can work on those things is to work on yourself. So what about, um, what about what you would say to those who feel helpless when it comes to their purpose and their ambition? I would tell them that the answers are already inside them. They just have to spend time with someone who they feel comfortable being held accountable to. I know prayer and meditation and journaling is a great way to sort of decipher what's going on internally. Because so many times people will reach out to me and say, hey, I just don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I feel, I know what I would, I know what I've got my education in and I know the last five to seven years I've spent in this industry. So that it seems like I should be just staying in this industry and keep going. But it doesn't feel in alignment with, with the type of life I want to live. And like I talked about success a little bit ago, you know, some people's success is money. Some people's success is travel. Some people's success is freedom of time, you know, or flexibility, autonomy. So when I sit down and talk, when we start working through their career transition strategy, I want to make sure I understand what those five concepts are that right now, what are the top five priorities for yourself right now, the next two to three years, what do you want to accomplish for yourself? And it could be just peace, better relationships. Um, I want to do work that I feel makes an impact. Like I want to know that I'm not just pushing papers around and putting touching buttons. I need to know that, that I'm working for a company that is making a, making a, a, an impact in the world, you know? And so, but you have to know that within yourself. Nobody can tell you these things. Nobody can look at you and say, this is what you're supposed to be doing. So if you're feeling at an impasse, but you're not sure about your purpose, where you're, if your time is being spent on your purpose, even if the purpose can be monetized, because sometimes the purpose is you just love writing mm-hmm. or you love, you love jogging or you love dogs, you know? And so, okay, then let's design a life where we can make sure that your bills are paid and that you're living comfortably financially so that you can dedicate some of your leisure time to that stuff. So do you think that people work, do you think that people do work that isn't a part of their purpose because they have to, or more so out of fear of walking in their purpose? I feel it's both actually. I mean, let's, let's be real. A lot of us, we have grown lady bills, mm-hmm. right? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So we have to make sure that as responsible women got to pay our bills, right? Especially for those of us who have mouths to feed, you know, we need to make sure we're following through on that, um, that responsibility. But even when there, even the people who have that set, like, okay, they got their job, their job is good. They got steady paid income, bills are paid. Nobody, everybody has what they need. And then in their leisure time, they're not spending time in purpose because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have that scenario and you have the scenario of people who just, you know, they, they know their purpose, but they, they feel like I am just so bogged down with responsibility that I couldn't possibly dedicate some time to purpose. I need, cause I'm working two jobs just to keep things, the lights on right now, you know? So yeah, there's both sides and they're both obstacles that need to be addressed because it's, it is, it doesn't change that the purpose is there. That's the common denominator, whether you're doing it because you have to work or you're doing it because 
Um, you're, you know, like, as long as I keep working, I don't have to be afraid of failing at this purpose that I feel is within me. No matter what, the purpose is still there. So you either ignore it or you give time to it and see what happens. So what do you think would be the starting point for those who are in that place? Who have a purpose and they're afraid? Yes. Well, one of the ways that I help them is I do have a, um, a mastermind that goes for six months. That's perfect for people who have like a vision or a concept, um, an idea for like a, a side hustle or a passion project. And they're just, they're just like, I don't have a whole lot of time, you know, to, figure out how to put this together to launch it. And so I teach them the practical but necessary steps to, to make sure that they gain a presence and like a brand and they get clarity on their vision. Um, so that's working with a coach to help you really save time and energy that you, because you don't have a ton of time because you have a job, you have kids, you have what, you know, your, your obligations. And then um, energy and resource and money because a lot of times these companies want to charge you these crazy amounts of money when you're and when you first start you don't necessarily have all the capital to invest in you know thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. in a web designer and all that stuff you know so you kind of got to start small so I teach that in a six-month mastermind called the sisterhood of success and so um, that's one way but but also just spending time around people that are doing what you yeah, want to do definitely. because that, that connection and that network, it will open up opportunities for you to kind of put, you know, put your foot in the water for a little bit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if you, if you really love makeup, like, gosh, I would lo- love to learn how to do makeup and do make I do makeup all the time. I watch makeup tutorials. I love makeup. When I do people's makeup, they love how they look and I kind of just do it for fun, but I would love to be able to launch like a side business and monetize it so that I can do people's makeups more often and just build and build, right? Um, So, okay, great. Then go to BeautyCon, go to conventions about makeup, go take, um, go to networking events where other uh, beauty bloggers are, you know, go to events where there's fashion and media and, and design and all that so that you're in that beauty industry and they can make connections and see how people move, see how people talk you know, and, and start to get a sense to know if you really want to be a part of this community and that'll inspire you to, you can help someone like be an assistant, be an apprentice, you know, a lot of people do weddings or, or they do photo shoots or um, print ads. And so they need makeup artists. So well, if you connect with someone and say, Hey, can I just go with you? I'll just be your assistant. I'll help you lug around all your stuff and get you, help you set up for the shoot. You know, that'll kind of give you a sense of, what the environment calls for so that when you show up, you know what to expect. Definitely. So let's switch gears just a little bit because earlier you did talk about um, your father and we're just going to switch gears into that. So how, how did that affect you? Well, so it actually, it's funny because um, in my book, I talk about how, it was actually one of the driving forces for me being this like gold star junkie, mm-hmm. you know, most imposter syndrome strugglers, they deal with perfectionism. Um, and so I just wanted to be this super student, super woman perfectionist. I just, so I made sure I had straight A's. I did it for both of my parents in a sense, because, you know, my, my dad was an alcoholic um, and he 
was a womanizer who you know cheated on my mom throughout their marriage and he was also physically abusive to my mom and so watching that you know as a child was hard and so my mom watching my mom get her heart broken over and over by him and then I have a sibling um, who's only five years behind me who's been in and out of prison and um, has addiction problems and just just really struggling at life you know you ever met somebody who just like life is just mm-hmm. hard for them so that's my brother and um, he started getting in trouble so my mom was a single mom for many years and then he started showing his problems when he was 14 so as by the time he was 14 I was 19 um, that's when he started like you know get, getting kicked out of school getting in fights stealing lying using all that stuff and so my mom was just in and out of the courtroom in and out of juvenile hall and he was in and out of placement going to therapists just everybody tried so hard and my mom's heart was just constantly being broken so I just thought maybe if I'm successful and I'm a I'm a I'm the poster child I'm the good kid she won't be so hard on herself she would have something to look forward to because she used to just get down on herself like I'm such a terrible mother or I'm such a, like she just felt so unworthy I mean think about it your husband beats you cheats on you and leaves you with two kids and then your son is like, can't, you know, can't seem to get off the drugs and can't seem to stay in school. You're like, gosh, you, as a woman, you take on all, all that and make it your fault. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to be a good kid. But also throughout my academics and me, you know, I strived for extracurricular stuff and just did everything I did. I did it to the best I could. Um, and because I just thought that my father would hear about it and somehow come back and be this like great guy for me you know I and me and my naive mind as a child I just thought you know they would hear Michelle got her got the honor roll Michelle she's graduating from high school do you know Michelle's getting her bachelor's Michelle's doing this Michelle's doing that and I just thought somebody would communicate that to my father and he would he would be like no way well I'm I want to be a part of that and he would just show up and everything would be great but that never happened um, and I've actually tried multiple times to bring him back into my life. And, and every time I let him back, it's, it goes well for a few weeks. But then the reminders of why I kept my distance in the first place start to loom their heads. So, yeah, I mean, and then again, it affected me and my, my professional career because you know, the validation, you know, the a girl, I'm proud of you. That's my girl. All that that you didn't get from my father, I sought it out at my bosses. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, so that's how it showed up for me, mostly, um, in my life. And when it came to my marriage, I mean, my poor husband. (laughs) (laughs) They catch it. They catch it all. He catch it all, yeah. (laughs) But luckily, he was patient. And uh, we've been married for 15 years. Oh, (laughs) wow. Let me make it to year number three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's tough work. But, you know... I had to, through my work, I had to realize that I was, you know, because I kind of coined myself as a, I'm a daddyless daughter and I'm broken and I'm, you know, I wasn't enough. I've kept saying I wasn't enough for him to stay. You know, he didn't love me enough to not do all those things. He, he, if he loved me, he would have been a better man. But I know now through my work um, that, you know, people just have their demons mm-hmm. and, and my father, my father probably, you know, if, if anybody could have prevented it, 
He was in no condition to be anyone's father. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah. It takes, it really takes a different kind of perspective and a, I don't, I don't know the word for it, but it, it's huge to say this person hurt me, but they weren't capable to even be in my life. You know, right. even though you want them to, you're like, they're real, they're just not capable. Like, honestly, if we look at it at the point to where when a lot of people do disappoint us, well, you have to look at it. It's not even your fault. Like this has nothing, it has nothing to do with me. I mean, he may have wanted to be a good father. He may have wanted to be a good guy or a good girl or whatever, but what they did to me normally has a lot to do with them. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and then you're able to, you know, now that I've, I've started doing life coaching as well, we're a tra- part of the transformation is being able to trickle things back. And so, you know, my father didn't have the easiest upbringing either. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and so all he did was repeat. And so when I do, when I work with my clients is to be sure that, hey, if we're going to, we're going to do anything together, let's make sure we break some generational yeah. patterns here. Because everyone's so concerned about being a good mom. Mm-hmm. I just want to be a good mom, right? I just want to be a good mom. It's like, okay. The best mom, there, there's no way to be a perfect mom, but there's a million ways to be a really good one. And one of the ways to be a really good mom is to heal you. Definitely. You heal. You heal first because then they get to enjoy a happy, healed, emotionally stable mom. You know, everything else, they don't, they don't need the Jordans. Mm-hmm. They don't need the iPads. They just want a happy, fulfilled, you know, mom, a, a mom that is, knows who she is and validates herself. And I think that that's tremendously important to do, especially when you have grown up without a father because you don't have that compass, you know, to tell you you're enough. Usually a man, you know, woman, a mom gives her daughter courage and bravery and a father gives his daughter self-worth. Oh, definitely. So how do you think someone can heal from that or start the healing when it comes to being fatherly? Well, as a Christian, I'm a Christian woman. So I had to realize that I wasn't fatherless at all. Mm -hmm. My father has been around this whole time. I just didn't know he was there. I wasn't raised Christian. I became a Christian in my later teen years. That's actually how I met my husband. I met him at a Christian youth group that I had been invited to. And he was one one of the other teenagers that was there. Um, but I, I had no personal relationship with God. And so when I started to work on my stuff, when I left that job after 13 years, um, I had already been going to church. I was baptized and everything, but I really wasn't in the word. I was just like, you know, when people say you just take, you just, you just suckling the milk. Mm -hmm. I haven't really gotten to the meat of it all. And so when I started spending regular time with him, I realized I had a father this whole time. I just was so focused on my biological father, my carnal father. Um, but, but I had to realize that he's, you know, even him with all his mistakes, he's God's son too. So I just had to release it to him. But I realized I'm not a daddyless daughter. My father is with me every day. And my father blesses me every day and covers me every day. And so I'm, I'm fine. And then on, another part of it is that I get to see my husband be a good father mm-hmm. to his children and that changes the and my my husband was a fatherless son 
And so, you know, you have those thoughts like, oh my gosh, you know, he's going to repeat the cycle like my father did. Um, and weirdly enough, I, you know, having experienced trauma and, and that stuff growing up, I was oddly prepared for that. Like, okay, if he does it, then he's out. Me and the kids will be fine. Mm-hmm. That's why I went to school. That's why I did what I do so I could take care of us, right? But in fact, it was a quite opposite happened. He taken the pain of not having a father and turned it turned that pain into love and and is a wonderful father to our daughters so watching him validate their self-worth is weirdly healing to me yeah but but I think if you don't have children and you still have you know you have daddy Mm -hmm. issues I mean there's definitely a lot of internal work that needs to be done to break down some of the negative thought patterns and that starts with taking an ownership and intention over your internal dialogue. So I feel through, through life coaching, prayer, meditation, affirmations, you really start to change how you speak to yourself about yourself when it comes to this. Yeah. Stuff. The more you declare you're of your fatherless, you're the daddyless daughter, the more you're going to carry the weight of that identity. And it doesn't have to be you. You don't have to accept it. And you have to do the work. Yeah. You have to, you, you can't, you can't, if you look for outside validation um, to tell you that you're not these things, you're not going to find it because the weird thing about the world and Brene Brown said this in her book, Braving the Wilderness is that we, when we look out on the world and look for signs that we don't belong, we always find them. Mm-hmm. So if you want to carry around that defeated mentality, you know, the great, the one, the, the sad thing about our limitations is that they don't fight back. Like if you say, I'm, I'm too slow. I'm not smart enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not lovable enough. They, it, those limitations don't fight you back. They don't tell you, oh no, Lisa, you look you're good. Like, <laughs> you look good. What are you talking about? No, they, they co-sign. They, they're like that one girlfriend of your, uh-huh. Yeah. I told, I told you, you should have <laughs> laid off the cookies. Like. Right. So that's it. So you just have to be intentional with those limitations and shake them off, change it up. So what today, as we get ready to close this thing out, what do you offer to women today that you wish that you would have had? Oh, man. How much time? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wish I wish I would have. One of the biggest game changers for me was the practice of the puja. Have you heard of this? Okay. So the puja is an ancient practice where basically you honor your body. Okay. And because so many of us, especially women, we're always looking in the mirror and saying, I wish my hips were slimmer. I wish I didn't, my, I wish I had a thigh gap. You know, I wish I was taller. I wish my skin was clearer. You know, we wish my stomach was flatter. You know, we're just picking our bodies apart. Mm -hmm. Right. Every day we look in the mirror and we're just criticizing it. But our bodies every day wake up and they are so just like God, they are so dedicated. They show up every day and they work the way they're supposed to. You know, you don't got to rev it up. <laughs> like you're, as soon as you get out of bed, you can stand, mm-hmm. right? As soon as you go grab your toothbrush and start brushing your teeth, it, do, it does it, right? Your, your heart just pumps, you know, every day, every second, it's pumping right now. Your heart is pumping. It's not, you don't have to tell it. You don't have to program it. It's just doing this. So your body is taking care of you in a way that we didn't recognize before. And with the puja, it's the practice of spending time with each part of your body and thanking it for what it's done for you. So like, you know, in the shower, 
going down, start at the bottom, you know, thank you legs for walking me everywhere I needed to go today. You know, thank you pelvis, pelvic area for holding up my jeans today. You know, thank you. Thank you torso for holding up my frame, my body frame, you know, thank you arms for letting me hold my baby today or pet my dog today. Thank you eyes for allowing me to see the beauty of this day. You think, you know, you just thank your body every day for what it's done for you or what it, what it's carried you through. And it changes your connection to your body so that you're less critical of it. See, before I thought, oh, if I'm going to be on this show, or I'm going to go speak on this, or I'm going to be at this event, I got to lose 20 pounds. Like I'm going to be on the t- on a TV show this coming Saturday in LA. And I know that camera adds 10 pounds. So I was joking to my husband, I'm like, I need a flat stomach and be 20 pounds lighter by Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what, this is the body I have right now. And I, I it's so faithful to me. I have to honor it. I can't judge it. I can't hide it. I can't change it. Right. You know, in a matter of three days, you know, it's, it's, I have to honor it. And so I wish I would have learned that a long time ago because it made it easier to like practice better eating and work out and everything. I mean, even if I would have lost the 20 pounds by now, I probably would still be unhappy. Yeah. You always, that's what we do. Right. You always (laughs) seem to find something else wrong. Yeah. So that's what I would tell women. I would tell them like, you know, practice giving honor to your body because when you have a further connection to your body that way you listen to it better it tells you what it needs and because you're everything's inside the compass is there it tells you hey i need rest hey i need water hey i need exercise i need i mean you know i need energy we need to go out and do something you know or it, it's a good it's a good compass to keep close to you but instead we just ignore it and beat it up and criticize it and it shows up for us every mm-hmm. day so that's what I would recommend. So any, before we end this, this was really good. And it was a lot. <laughs> I was trying to sit up there <laughs> trying to process every single thing. And normally what I do is after recording, I just go listen to the entire thing that way I can get a good processing. Um, but what are, do you have any last words that you would like to say before we close it out? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's okay to, to want more for yourself it's okay to not carry the cloak of defeat or feeling like their circumstances have more to say about what your current reality should be so whether it's career transition whether it's a life transformation whether it's pursuit of goals whatever it is that brings you light that you can lose yourself lose time doing because it's that enjoyable it's okay to pursue that even if it doesn't look like the epitome of success to the outside world so if they're looking to make a transition in your career or your life, you know, I'd be happy to offer a complimentary career strategy session call with your listeners and see how I can help. Yeah, I was going to tell you, let them know where they can find you and everything. Oh, yeah, you can find me. Um, you can definitely go to my website. It's www.michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, middle initial M for Martha, last name Gomez. G-O-M-E-Z dot com. But also a really, a really uh, easy place to find me is on Instagram. So if you go on Instagram, my handle is at M-G, my initials, M-G success coach. And I'll have everything linked in the description. So no one will get anything wrong. So if you didn't catch all of that and trying to replay, then everything will be in the description. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to 
we're going to end it out. I had a whole list of questions down here and we are over time frame. <laughs> and I think you got a lot of, uh, got a lot. Of yeah, I did. I really did. And I enjoyed hearing more about you and um, your story and everything that you, you put things into a, a really good perspective. Even some things that I learned, especially about honoring my body, because I'm already thinking about when I have this baby, um, what are we doing to get back snatched and and mm-hmm. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. already thinking about the plan. I'm ready to have this baby and the months are not moving fast enough. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot and I'm pretty sure that the listeners, they have learned a lot as well. So yeah, we found. Hey guys. Okay. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. It was amazing. Michelle was amazing. I learned a lot of new things. Um, a lot of new perspectives. My mind started shifting and a whole bunch of stuff. It was going a lot. My mind was just running and running, trying to process everything she said. And I really hope that your mind was running too. So if you like this episode, make sure that you share it. Make sure that you go follow Michelle on Instagram. Make sure you go to her website. If anything stood out to you, make sure that you let us know how much that you're liking these episodes, y'all, because your feedback is important to me. And another thing, if you want to share your story, make sure that you go to my Instagram at Moesha C underscore click the link in my bio okay link in bio slide in the link in the bio and click the first second I think it's the third link when you do that make sure that you fill out that couple of second questionnaire and just be open to sharing your story you guys it doesn't matter if it's big small medium whatever you feel like it is somebody can be impacted by your story and that matters more than anything so if you want to share your story on FGTC podcast make sure that you go do that Um, as well as we will talk to you guys next week.